like everybody to do one of our half mask hand raises. Do like this. Now turn your hands Palms. Everybody that's got nail prints in them, let me see them. Hello? Oh, wow. Nobody? There's nobody in this room tonight with nail prints. I find that hard to believe since so many of you are trying to save yourselves. We're just having a Sela moment. I'm quite shocked that nobody found any nail prints in their palms. When you get home, would you have someone check your back for splinters? Surely if you don't have nail prints, you you must at least have splinters from sliding your bare back up and down that cross. Surely you've got that at least. I got a question for you. How hard is it to be lost as a child of God? Now, if I haven't crossed a few of your theology, Uh, I fully expect to in just the next few minutes because you can say one thing with your mouth, but your actions prove otherwise. How hard is it to be lost? That's the title of this message. If if it matters to somebody that's writing it down, how hard is it to be lost as a child of God? As a child of the Father, how hard is it to be lost? Not near as hard as some of us thinks it is for us and the people that we have such a quick hair trigger to judge. Whether we're judging ourselves or judging others. Now, you know, a few years ago, uh, there would be people that would, that have sat in services where I've talked like this here in other places and, say, and would say to me, that's a really dangerous message you're preaching there, preacher. Telling people they can get a by, get by with XYZ. Oh, no, I'm not. There is nobody going to heaven with unrepented sins. Nobody. Nobody. But I've got a question for you tonight. What do you think is 
stronger and more determined. Your desire to be saved or the love of God's desire to save you? What's stronger? Your determination to be saved or God or the love of God's determination to save you? Which you think is stronger? I'm going to submit this to you tonight, that in order for me to be lost, I have to resist numerous attempts of the love of God to get me to repent for my sin. Not once or twice, numerous attempts. And those attempts, the more attempts it takes to get me to repent for my sin, the love of God to get me to repent for my sin, the more desperate he becomes and the more desperate he becomes because he loves me and doesn't want me to be lost, the more extreme his efforts will be to get my attention so that I can be saved. I am not preaching eternal security. What I am, I do believe in eternal security once you get there. I believe once you make it, it's a done deal. Thank God. As a tree falleth, so shall it lie. There is no in-between place. It's all the way from the, from the moment that the decision's made. You know, that part of the vow, until death we do we part. Yeah. Until you depart this life. I said it to leaders last night. As long as you're breathing, God's not done. As long as I'm breathing, as long as you're breathing, God's not done. Some of my most comforting verses at times over my life, I have found in Psalms 103, and this is not my text because I've been preaching for a while, so or teaching or whatever you want to call it, exhorting, whatever. Uh, I'm going to start actually with Psalms 103 and verse 6. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses his acts unto the children of men, of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Some of the most abused scriptures in the Bible is, you're going to reap what you sow. Yeah. That has nothing to do directly with sin. God has never punished anybody in this life for their sins. Not happening. 
How do I know that? Because hell was created for the devil and his angels. And hell is more horrible than any living human being's ability to describe it. And that was what he designed as punishment for sin. Eternal punishment for sin. And there is nothing that can happen to you in this life that's even remotely close to that. So to say, well, I'm reaping, my life is a mess, I'm reaping what I've sowed. Yes, yes, yes. You reap what you sowed. If you sow to the wind, you'll reap the whole whirlwind, the scripture says. In this life. But that is not a direct judgment on my sin. And this is exactly what this verse says. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. It's not possible in this life. Now I can tell that a few of you had never exactly had that thought before. Well, I got book, where's yours? He hasn't done it. I know what it says. I believe what it says. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap everlasting life. I believe all of that. But that's not talking about judgment for sin. The Scripture says, some men's sins go before them to judgment. Some men's sins follow after. This is not the judgment. This is a time where our loving Father is appealing to us every moment of the day. There. Somebody find me the verses in Psalms that says His hand is stretched out still. I've got some idea where it's at, but I don't want to take the time to look it up. So He says... Verse 10 again, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. I have been as high as 41, 42,000 feet in a commercial airline. That's only about seven miles. (laughs) Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. And it takes light eight minutes to get from the sun to here. And I've only been seven miles above the surface of the earth. And light goes... 186,000 miles per second. And you may not know this, but that was first measured just two miles down here on the grounds of the Naval Academy by a man named Michelson, professor at the Naval Academy. He was the first one to measure the speed of light. And that's, you know, I've only been seven miles. And it says, for as as, as the heaven is high above the earth, So great is his mercy toward them that fear him. And the devil says, you can't be forgiven for what you've done. 
as far as the east is from the west. I tell you what. <laughs> I have done a flight, a, a round trip that was around the world. I have flown a couple of times to Singapore or to the Southeast Asia area where I went around one side and came back the other. But I, I never got west. Go as far west as you want. You don't ever get west. Because when you get west, there's still more west to get to. And when you get back to the same spot, you still haven't gotten west. So you tell me how far the east is from the west. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Hey, when I obey his word as a child of God and baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, had my sins washed away, and I'm now a child of God, and now 1 John chapter 1 applies to me as a child of God. It only applies to children of God. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You know what that says? You know what these verses say? That the moment they're forgiven, I can't ever catch up to them again. If I go to hell, it will be for sins that I commit in the future that I don't repent of. Because if I repented of everything, confessed everything I've done, and he's forgiven all of that, I am never again accountable for that. Oh, wait. There is one thing that will make you accountable again. Unforgiveness. I don't care what you think is your justification for not forgiving a grudge. Is it really worth it to you to uncover stuff you're not supposed to be ever able to catch up to again? I'll tell you what, it's nobody ever done or said anything about me to me or didn't do what they should have done to me that is worth me ever having to face stuff that's covered by the blood again. I don't care how horrible it would be that somebody smoothly done to me. You know what? If you were innocent of all sins, then I might concede you might potentially have some right to not forgive. You know why? There are no nail prints in the house. Because there's nobody in the house innocent enough to be able to be worthy to have them. Everybody else have got scar-free hands from as far as nail prints are concerned because none of us are innocent enough to be worthy of them. And that means 
I don't care. And, and you know what? I normally, when I mean that, I mean, it's, it's not, it doesn't matter to me in the, in this, in this context, but I'm going to say it different tonight. I don't care what somebody's done to you. I don't care if they've raped your wife. I don't care if they, they beat your kids' heads in until they're dead. I don't care if they stole everything you've got. That does not give you the right to not forgive. You know what? From a human perspective, you could almost understand somebody not forgiving someone that violently killed your wife or your kids or something like that. But there's essentially nobody in this house with a grudge that justified. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Get this. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. How about this one? For he knoweth our frame and remembereth that we are dust. I've told this story many times, but for years and years and years, the devil would just beat my brains out. Boy, you did it again. You did this. You did that. You didn't do this. You were supposed to do it. And it just, blah, 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 blah. And one day, one day, I, I'm, I'm talking to God. God, what am I supposed to do? I've repented of these things a thousand times, and I still don't feel forgiven. He said, I forgave you the first time. Ask him how many second chances he's been given. Oh, wait. So this became my standard response until he decided he was going to spare himself. You're right, devil. I did all that stuff. I did it all. There's a slight problem. You and I are the only ones that know about him. God doesn't. You'd have to call him a liar to say he does. Because he said he would forgive my sins and remember them no more. So you're right. I did all that. But God has forgiven me and he doesn't know anything about it. And if you try to bring it up, he's going to look at you and say, what are you talking about? Oh, by the way, you blew it once. How many second chances have you gotten? None. The devil got it, had got no second chances. He's getting no second chances. There's no redemption for Lucifer and his one-third of the angels for rebelling against God. No redemption. No redemption. No redemption. One mistake. <coughs> so, devil, let's talk about all my sins that are forgiven. Let's talk about yours that are forgiven. Oh, that's a short conversation, isn't it? You don't have any. So you want to keep talking about this? Oh, and guess what, devil? You're saying all this stuff to me. I got a book that says I'm going to judge you one day. The church is going to judge angels. That's in the book. Jesus said it. 
you know what? It doesn't take long for him to decide he's losing that argument and leave. It's just not an excuse. It's not an excuse. Yes, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But the one thing God has not done in this life, he has not taken my flesh away. It's not taken it away. It's still here. It's pretty wrinkly. (laughs) But it's still there. It's there. Woo! It's there. You know what the problem really is here? The Lord understands all this. We don't. He understands every bit of this. We don't. And you can always tell somebody's trying to earn their salvation because they don't cut anybody else any slack. One of my favorite verses regarding leadership is where there is no ox, the stall is clean. But by the strength of the ox, there is much increase. In other words, if you want a clean stall, you're not going to get any results. Because the, the ones that are involved with the results, they mess in the stall. And somebody's got to clean the stall out. And some of us, a clean stall is more important to us than an abundant crop. Slight problem, that's not the way Jesus feels about it. It's hard to go to hell. It's hard. It wasn't created for man. It was created for the devil and his angels. It's hard to go to hell. I've got to resist every effort of the love of God to save me. I've got to tell him no, 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 no. That's why some of us just can't understand how somebody could be all involved in this and go out and just really mess their lives up and walk back in here a year, five years, ten years, twenty years later, and in just a moment's time, God take care of all of that. And the Lord makes them as if they never left. The problem is, we can't make that trip sometimes. Well, let me tell you something. I really pray for you that you don't force God how to, to, to teach you how. To make that trip. I've said this a couple of times recently. And it's here in the Holy Ghost flow tonight. Okay. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I'm going to wait on that. Where's the verses? I'll know in a moment. Psalms 136.12. <laughs> ah. 
No, there's actually a verse. There's a there's a where he keeps going. This happened. This happened. Isaiah nine. Is that it? Okay. Let's try that one. I know Isaiah 9 is. Yeah, but there's another one in Psalms that has several different things to it. Let's see. Isaiah 9, 17 through 21. 12. Okay, I thought you said 9. Wait, wait, chapter 9. Isaiah 9, verse 12. Okay. I'm going to start with verse 13. Isaiah 9, 13. We, ow, listen to this. This is just... Absolutely awesome stuff right here. For the people turneth not unto him that smiteth them, neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. Therefore the Lord will cut off from Israel head and tail, branch and rush in one day. The ancient and honorable, he is the head, the prophet that teacheth lies. He is the tail for the leader of this people, cause them to err. They that are led of them are destroyed. Therefore the Lord shall have no joy in their young men. Neither shall he, neither shall have mercy on their fatherless and widows, for everyone is a hypocrite and an evil doer, and every mouth speaketh folly. For all this, no, I'm sorry. It's a, uh, oh Lord, help me. It's in Psalms, and it's a psalm that has several things that are bad, and then he'll say that his hand is stretched out still. His, uh, his mercy is there, and he keeps repeating that, and I can't believe. Well, I can't believe it. Uh, I can only remember stuff supernaturally, and right now I'm not getting that. <sighs> I want you to hear this. I, you've got to hear this. It's going to come here in a moment. Okay, take a nap. I'll wake you up in a minute. It is really frustrating. What now? Psalms one. Psalms one thirty six. I don't know it was the first one, but it's. 
Oh, this is really. <laughs> I, I can see it in my mind. I, I really can. I just can't tell what. There's part of it that talks about those that go down to the seas and ship. Is that Psalms 107? That sounds close to being right. Right there, Psalms 107. This is going to be worth it, promise you. Oh, this is it. I was, I had, Psalms 107.1, okay? It's that, it, that it, you'll get what, what I'm saying here, why I connected the two, but it's, anyway, this is the one. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of, of the enemy. And gathered them out of the lands, and from the east, and from the west, from the north, and the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted to them. Then they cried, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of all, out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfied the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Here comes the next round. Such as sit in darkness in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools, because of their transgression, because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat. They draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them. And delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. For his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And declare his works with rejoicing. Now, there's... Quite a few guys in this room, good number, that can identify with this by experience. They that go down to the sea in ships, that do their business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heavens, they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at wits in, at their wits end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then they are, then are they glad because they be quiet 
and he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him the assembly of the elders. Get this one. He turneth rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. He turneth the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into springs, and there he maketh the hungry to dwell, and there that they may prepare a city for habitation, and sow the fields and plant vineyards that they, that which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. Again they are minished and brought low, through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He poureth contempt upon princes and causeth them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction and maketh him families like a flock. The righteous shall see it and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Who is wise and will observe these things? Even they shall understand the loving kindness it of the Lord. I'm going to say it to you again. It's hard to go to hell. It's hard to go to hell. There's not anybody in this room that hadn't blown it really bad at least one time in your life. You may be, you, it may, God may have been so merciful to you that you blew it so bad, but yet He kept it quiet. Some not so much. Others have blown it really bad and the whole world knew about it. Why is all this important to God? I'll say something to you three that have the responsibility for pastoring this sheep that God, that belong to God and to every other man of God in this place and every other leader in this place and every other person that wants to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and be involved with His kingdom. Do you know why God purposely allows us to walk paths where our humanity becomes very obvious? And He will allow that to happen as often as necessary to keep me having to repent. Why? Because he's not giving his glory to anybody. And as long as there's any thought or motive in you that you can somehow be good enough if you try hard enough, you got much more pain coming your way. You got a lot more disappointments coming your way. <laughs> Woo, there's some of you don't like this. Or you just, you just saying it doesn't matter. How we do. Oh, I didn't say that at all. But it's the motive behind what you're doing. Am I trying to earn something? Am I trying to prove to God I'm good? He said there's none good, no, not one. And you're trying to be good by your efforts? He said there's none righteous, no, not one. And you're trying to be righteous through your own efforts? Impossible. That's why one of my favorite verses you've heard here many times 
Philippians 2.13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. I can't even take the credit for desiring to pray today. I can't take the credit for even desiring to be in this service tonight. And Sister Wright said it well. It's the holidays. Some of us have already checked out and we keep getting interrupted. It's like just drifting off to a really good sleep and somebody making some noise or shaking your bed. Don't you know this is sleepy season? This is the holidays. It's hard to go to hell. As long as there's breath, your heavenly father, my heavenly father is going to do whatever's necessary to get my attention. He cannot and will not make my decisions for me. But he doesn't have to let things go well when I make a wrong decision. He has no obligation to give me sleep if I'm not where I need to be with him. He has no obligation to give me peace. He has no obligation to bless my efforts. Seed was sown in a field. That seed first started coming up and it looked beautiful. Wow. But over a little course of time, the laborers came to the owner of the field and said, I thought you sowed good seed. I thought you bought us good seed. I did. Then why is there bad stuff growing out among the wheat? Because an enemy did this. Good seed. Seed is rated by how, what percentage of Non-wheat seeds are in it. Good seed means that the one who sold the seed or the ones who prepared the seed for storage for sowing for the next harvest did everything possible to make sure there was no, no seeds in that seed that was of tares. Because you see, It is possible to do everything that looks like it's right. But the seed you're sowing not be wheat. It's possible to do everything you're supposed to do and just sow the wrong seed. Just sow the wrong seed. I would rather preach the mercy and the grace of God to you tonight because that's the message. And someone leave here and believe, well, all the pressure's off. I I just do the best I can. 
I don't feel like it today. I won't. I'd rather somebody leave here and end up with that attitude than some people leave here with the, the, the idea that there's no hope for them. Why? Well, that's a terrible thing. Oh, no, no, no. No, you see, I'm counting on the love of God. You leave here with the wrong attitude? He is really good at fixing that. It's a lot easier for him to straighten out my attitude that says, Hey, the worship of God is so great. The love of God is so great. The, the grace of God is so great. I'll just do what I feel like. He can straighten that out, that out a lot, really easy. The one that's a challenge, and we all know it's a challenge, is when we have those thoughts beating our brains out. You're no good. You're worthless. You'll never get it right. That is really, really hard. Not for God, but for us. It's really hard for us. We just can't hardly believe it. God has never told an individual it's hopeless. You know why? Because when he's done with you, he just doesn't talk to you at all anymore. Ever again. So if you're hearing voices that say, it's hopeless, it's over with, it's done, forget it. It's never God. And it's always the devil. And because it's the devil, he's telling you that because it's a lie. And he wants you to believe that because he knows that's not true. But he wants you to believe it. But it's not true. Let me tell you something. If it was true, the last thing he would do is tell you that. So if that was really true, neither God or the devil's going to tell you that. I'm going to say that again. If you were really hopeless, if there was really no chance of you ever being right, of ever being saved, let me tell you what. For a while, you'd think you had the greatest amount of relief you've ever had in your life because nobody's talking to you. God's not convicting you and the devil's not bothering you. He's going to leave you just like you are. So if you're hearing voices, it's never God saying it's hopeless. Forget it. Because His judgment is silence. And I go, we all go through periods where God's not giving specific direction. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay? Because when God's silence comes, it's okay with you. Hey. It's awesome. I could go do whatever I want to do and I'm never going to feel it in my conscience again. I, not, nothing negative is ever going to happen inside me ever again. I can go do whatever I want to do and don't ever have to worry about not being able to sleep, not ever feeling guilty. I'm never again. And the devil's sure not going to tell you that because he knows God. And he knows that if 
he told you that and you finally got concerned enough to find out about it, even the slightest opening for the love of God is enough. Just the slightest opportunity, the slightest chance for God is all it takes for Him to slip in there. I don't have any. And since I don't have any nail scars, I can't save myself. That means I got to have somebody else to save me. And this may be bad news for some of you. But in February, it will be 61 years since I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name. 61 years. 61 years. And you know what I've learned? <laughs> you don't ever reach the place that you don't need a Savior. Ever. Ever. There will not be a day go by. There will not be an hour go by. There will not be a minute go by. My poor wife, I I just love to tease her. I told you I got her a card. I haven't had the guts to sign and give it to her, but she's seen it. I, I, it says something along the line of, I am so thankful to have had all these years to, uh, I'm going to put it this way, tease you, torment you, and I'm looking forward to many more years to continue to do the same. So she texts me the other day, and she says, Got a second? And this is, this is, okay. I said, yeah, I sure do. I got 60 of them every minute. Now that may bother you. She just ignores it. No, now with the emojis, I think I got a, a smiley face and then she went on and talked to whatever it was she was going to talk about. So at least, at least now I get a little bit of reaction. A little bit. Because that's all I'm looking for is a reaction. All I'm wanting to say, do is to say to her, Hey, I'm here. woo <laughs> I'm here. You see me? You do. Okay, I'm here. God wants our attention. Now, part of me wishes that I could stand here and tell you that <laughs> several years ago we were having, uh, I think it was about once a month, wasn't it? We, we were having young minister, with young people, young guys that thought they were called to preach. I'd come up here and meet with them a little, a little while and, and uh, it was really, it might have been in December because uh, Jared Whittington asked the question. <laughs> he said, Bishop, can you tell us how to go through the holiday seasons without ever 
slacking up or struggling with the holidays? I said, no, sir. But if you figured out, would you tell me? I remember that. Clear as I'm sitting, standing here. It's true. See, it's really a secret. Everybody thinks I'm this hard, hard hard-nosed guy. She doesn't ever cry at movies. I have to hide my tears if I'm watching a movie. She'll make fun of me. I don't know, but you guys can be who you are, what you have, you write your business. I don't like blood and guts. I don't like, I don't like, I, I, give me a, you know, I like Hallmark movies. I do. I really do. Absolutely I do. And I really like Hallmark Christmas movies. And you say they're all the same. I know. Isn't that great? You know. The guy's going to get the girl, the girl's going to get the guy at the end. Always, it's always going to happen. And almost every one of them, just before they kiss the first time, they're leaning together. And something interrupts them every time. And you can know that's the case because there's still 10 or 12 minutes left in the movie. They're not going to kiss. That's far from the end. It's not happening. Some of y'all can't believe it. Ask her. You know why? Because I had to get broken. I had to be broken. And if I have to prove my manhood by being hard, I've never been hard in my life one time. Ever willingly. Now, I'm talking about from a spiritual perspective. It took years for me to learn how to be a husband. So sometimes I was not as positive in my dealings and leadings as a husband. Let me tell you something right now. It is one of the most comforting, peace-giving things there is to know that it's hard to go to hell. That no matter how much I've messed up, the love of my Father is not standing back, shaking His hands with His head, arms folded, going, 
You did it again. But he is willing and able. Somebody said to me, he's the fastest forgiver in the West. He's quick on the draw to forgive. He is. He is. Why? He didn't hang on that cross to find an excuse to send you to hell. He hung on that cross to find a way to get you to heaven. The whole purpose of the cross, the whole purpose of the the cross was to find a way to get you to heaven, not find a way to send you to hell. He had, he's got plenty of ways to get, to send people to hell. He didn't have to die on the cross to send people to hell. Died on the cross to help people get to heaven. To help people get to heaven. I can't tell you how much your 2019 would be different if you just learned this. You know why? I started to say this a while ago. It's time to say it now. Somebody messes up, but they weren't able to do it. I've said this too, and I believe this with everything in me. You and I have a right to sin in private. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. God wants to cover our sin. He doesn't want to expose our sin. And it's the will of God for you to be able to have your failings between you and him. Why? Because he knows, man. Because man knows we failed. And God forgives. But man can't forgive the, can't accept the fact God's forgiven because they want a pound of flesh. Man wants a pound of flesh. That's the way they want it when they're not the one that needs to be forgiven. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. You get this revelation, you'll be able to please God like never before. You know what that means? That when you receive forgiveness because you've obeyed His Word and He gives it. You act forgiven. You act forgiven. Now, we have a problem with that. Well, I know what they did. They come in here acting like they didn't do anything. Praise God! The problem is when we don't. We ask for God to forgive us but then we act like he hasn't. You tell me how that gives glory to God. Tell me how that gives glory to God. Come on, brother, right now, that's hypocrisy. No, it's not. I know that this is the right verse. (laughs) Isaiah 30, verse 1. Let's read that one together on the screen. Isaiah 30, verse 1. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that covereth 
that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Did you get this? The Lord didn't find fault with the fact that they were covering. They were just using the wrong covering. Hello? The covering is the blood. The covering is the grace of God. The covering is the love of God. The love of God covers or hides a multitude of sins. That, that's the covering. If I cover it, if I cover my failures, my sins with my own arrogance, with my own hypocrisy, with fake righteousness and fake goodness, I'm righteous, but it's not my righteousness. I'm good, but it's him living in me that's good. But if I'm trying to be good without his goodness being the good being lived through me, I'm wrong. If I'm living, trying to be righteous myself rather than letting his righteousness be my covering, I'm wrong. Now the problem is, and I understand the problem, especially in marriage, when there's been any kind of breach of trust, any kind of breach of trust, there's so much hurt and pain. It's hard to forgive. and The forgiven person wants to act like they're forgiven. But the offended person the the offended I'm setting you up. This, I, I want to warn you in advance. I'm setting you up. The offended person wants to act like you don't deserve to be forgiven. No. Not the offended person. Because David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. So God doesn't want to act offended. He wants to forgive. So the person that was hurt, and I'm not minimizing this. I understand how it works. Breach of trust and all that. I understand that damage. But the bottom line is, who's the offended person? You either believe the Bible or you don't. Who Who's the offended person? Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Why is that important? How else are you going to go forward? You're going to carry these heavy weights of grief. I'm afraid if I forgive, they'll just do it again. They might. They might. And what worked the last time will work this time. Let's go on. If you can't do it, you move out. Sometime in the last 50 years, I was dealing with a situation. 
this person was unfaithful in their marriage, and they they wanted to blame their unfaithfulness on somebody else. Finally, I had to say to this person, if you would have just taken responsibility for your actions, as the book says is the case, nobody would have been more in your court trying to hold this marriage together. But I can't put back together what you won't allow to be put together. And as long as you're trying to blame somebody else for your decisions and your sin, that's not repentance. The breach is not dealt with, and there can't be healing, and this marriage can't be saved. So last chance. Are you willing to say your decisions were your own fault and nobody else's is responsible? No. Then hear me right now. I am totally supporting your mate from dissolving this marriage. I'm on their team right now. This needs to be over with. It needs to be done. It's done. Your choice has made it done. Not what, not the sin you committed, but the fact that you wouldn't take responsibility for your actions. Wanted to blame what you've done on somebody else? It's done. It's over. Well, what about the kids? Kids aren't even an issue in that. What, you're going to stay together so the kids, so the kids can see bitterness and resentment lived out every day? That's really the example they need to have set. Oh boy, some of you can't believe I just said that. I'll say it again if you'd like. The whole thing is hurtful. It's very, very hurtful. But you can't fix what's broke and somebody won't acknowledge why it's broke. Now, the mate, nobody, there's no innocent party in a situation like that. The mate had responsibilities of their own. But that mate took all those responsibilities to me was very open and honest with me and with their mate. They took the responsibility for the things they did that contributed to it. But the other one, the primary person that would had done the unfaithfulness, would not do it. To this day hasn't done it. And it's been a considerable length of time. I'll tell you what right now. I am holding this microphone today only based on the blood of Jesus. And if you want to sit there and try to figure out what I've done or not done that makes me so unworthy, skipping prayer one day is enough, isn't it? Or just going through the motions of prayer, not really praying. I mean, sin is sin, isn't it? And I've said this before too. You've preached as long as I have. You're going to repeat some stuff. Sometimes a lot. But this is worth repeating. Before you judge somebody else on what they've done or not done, let's find the electrodes to plug into your brain and hook you up to the audio-visual system of this building and play all your life and see how stellar it is and how much you want everybody 
to see and hear. Is there anybody here that wants that to happen? Sure, not me. Not me. But I want to know, how am I supposed to act? Okay, so I had a lot of stuff going on today. I'm, this is just hypothetical. I had a lot of stuff going on today, and I prayed, but I didn't really focus, and I, I was rushed, and I was in a hurry, and, and, and whatever. So what does that mean? That means I'm not worthy to pray tomorrow. So now I'm going to go the second day without prayer because of my unworthiness over not praying yesterday. Well, now I got two days I'm unworthy about. So the third day, I'm sure not praying that day because of my unworthiness. And you see where this goes? I'm eventually so far gone in it. How do I get out of it? Because to come out of it always requires a starting point to get out. I've got to have a starting point to get out of that. I've got to have a starting point. You know what? I don't even like waiting till the next day. I don't like waiting till the next day. The moment that I'm really aware and I acknowledge to myself, you're wasting time or whatever else it is. The moment I acknowledge it, I need to do something about it then. And you know the main thing I need to do then? Quickly confess and go on as if I didn't blow it. That's not hypocrisy. It's faith. If your trust is in the blood of Jesus, the word of God, his righteousness. How did it go? Oh, that men. Uh, we'll just do uh, Psalms 107, 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. And I'm going to close with this one. (laughs) Nah, come on, I know where it's at. Is it three? Must be three. Lamentations. Oh, my. Thank God for an iPad and the ability to do a search quickly, right? Lamentations 3.22. Listen to this. You probably know it. 
It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You don't have a clue what key that would be for me, would you? Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. I love that old song. I know it's not very modern. But great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Your your compassions, your mercies are new every morning. Fresh and new every morning. When I open my eyes, the mercy of God, the compassions of God are waiting on me. You know what he's saying? Yesterday is yesterday. Today is today. This is a new day. I've given you this day. This is a new day. My mercy and my compassion is waiting on you today. Take advantage of it. Let's, let's, let's make this a good day together. Sing whatever you got. That's okay. Sing it. Jesus name. Let's stand. Thank God. That works. For the blood. Oh, thank God. For the blood. Thank God. For the blood. Stay right where we are. This is the altar call. God is ready and willing to forgive you this moment. That's not the question. The question is, are you willing to let him? Brother, right, I've blown it so bad. I've messed up so bad. I've failed so much. There's no hope for me. All I want you to do is show me that in the book, please. I just want to see that in the Bible. I want to see where God said that. I want to see it. I got a question. Did Judas kill himself because God wouldn't forgive him? Or because he couldn't forgive himself? Read John 17. Jesus is praying with the, with the church, where the men that will, were going to be the, come the foundation of the church, just before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he said, Father, 
I have not lost any that you've given me, save the one of perdition, the son of perdition. Now, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Judas was given to Jesus just as surely as everybody else. And the only person Jesus lost was Judas, even though he lost nobody else but Judas that he was given. You know what that tells me? It was possible for Judas to be saved. Judas wasn't lost because God couldn't forgive him. Judas was lost because he couldn't forgive himself. He wouldn't let God forgive him. We're going to stand right here for a moment. I can't make you pray this. I'm asking you to pray this. Between you and God right now, I'm asking you to pray. Father, starting right now, not not January the 1st, but right now, Father, I'm asking you to give me your grace to enable me to be able to quickly forgive myself enough to let you forgive me for everything I've done or ever will do so that I can get up off the ground and keep going. Give me your grace, Father, to allow you to forgive me and to believe that you have. And give me the grace to act like I'm forgiven rather than continue to go around like I'm a failure even after I've asked you to forgive me. In the name of Jesus, come on. Come on. Come on, we need to be able to do this. This needs to be able to happen. It's the will of God for your 2019 to be better spiritually than your 2018. And if you want a simple answer of the one thing you can change that is guaranteed to change your 2019, let Him teach you how to help you to let Him forgive you. Let Him teach you how can wash away my Come on. sins. Come on. Nothing but the Come blood on. of That's Jesus. That's what those scars are about. That's what that blood was about. Can make That's what it was about. Whole again. He did all that so he couldn't Nothing forgive you. but the blood of He did all that so he couldn't forgive you. Oh, <laughs> precious is the blood that makes me in the white name of Jesus as snow, no oh, other fount I know nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the blow that makes me white as snow? No other fount I know. Nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash? Wash away my sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me 
that used to be saved someplace here or someplace else that they don't appear to be saved today? How many of you would like to see those that have gone out come home? Well, what's got to change? Hear me now, this is Holy Ghost. What's got to change? They have got to find out that they can come back without being judged for not being here. That they can come back without being negatively looked upon because they haven't been here. Without having an attitude of where you've been, what you've been doing. And let me tell you something right now. If you can't forgive yourself by the grace of God, and you can't let God forgive you quickly by His grace, there is no way that they can come back without feeling judged. So you're not only helping yourself, You're helping those that want to come home. How awesome would it be for all those folks or a huge number of them to come home? Can I tell you something I believe with everything in me? There's a lot of folks out there that would really like to come home. If they just believed they could come home without being looked at negative, without feeling anything negative, that they would be welcomed and not judged That they wouldn't be put down on the bottom of the totem pole. But they would be allowed to be forgiven and act like they're forgiven. You hear me. This is the word of the Lord to Antioch tonight. If we didn't have anything but a revival this year. Of apostolic backsliders from wherever they're backslidden. That come back. Come back to God. We don't have a facility that could hold it. Jesus said, John 12, If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And we've preached for years, that's praise. Oh, let's have good praise and that's going to draw people. How's that working for you? No. He was lifted up on the cross. So how in the world can he be lifted up and it draw men when those that believe in him 
let that cross and that blood do a work in their lives and they know that, that they're not, 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 they're not better than anybody else. They're only here by the love and grace of God. And there's an atmosphere and a spirit that permeates that says, look, it works for me. It'll work for you too. Come home. But the blood. Look, it works for me. It'll work for you. Come home. Come on home. It works. It works. Come on. It'll make In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God bless you. I pray that you have a wonderful time together with your congregations and your cell groups, home group, care groups, whatever you call them, with your families, your friends. And uh, let's make sure nobody's alone this holiday. Hello? Let's make sure nobody's left out. Could we do that? Shake hands, love one another, and please note that it's only 750.